Fred Rogers is a hero of mine. When I was a kid, we watched Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood constantly. We even told time on family road trips by, we only have three Mr. Rogers episodes left until we get to Grandma's house. Although we didn't actually have a DVD player, so we just imagined how long an episode would be. Mr. Rogers was a PCUSA pastor who was called to be a children's television show creator. And he worked tirelessly for 33 years on air to show each child and adult how loved and special they were. Mr. Rogers made everyone feel their worth. And if you've never seen a Mr. Rogers episode, which a few of these kids have told me that they haven't, you're invited to my office. I will make you hot cocoa or coffee and we can watch an episode. In 1997, Fred Rogers was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award for the show. And instead of taking that time to recognize himself and all of his accomplishments, he asked the audience to join him in a reflective activity. And I would like us to do that same activity this morning. He shared with the audience, so many people have helped me to come to this night. Some of you are here, some are far away, and some are in heaven. All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Would you take, along with me, just 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you to become who you are, those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life? 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. Whomever you've just been thinking about, how pleased they must be to know the difference that they've made. When Mr. Rogers gave this, there was not a dry eye in that room of celebrities. When given the time to reflect on the people who have loved you into being, I wonder who jumped to your mind just now. I wonder if you could feel their arms wrapped around you, if you could smell the memory of them. I wonder if you felt your breath slow, if by just imagining these people that you could feel the weight of your worth. When I look back on my life, I can see so plainly the people who have meant the world to me. Often those people come to us when we need them most. Sometimes the road that we're on can feel like our story today from Acts, like a dangerous desert road or like a valley of death. We may not realize it right away, but farther along, the divine arrangement is so clear. Farther along, we can see that when we felt alone and filled with questions of our worth, that God brought people to run alongside us, to help us find baptismal fonts of grace along the desert roads of our life. Luke is the author of our New Testament text today, and he's a very fascinating person to me. He's a physician, a friend of Paul's, and he is believed by many to be the only Gentile writer in the New Testament. Luke brings an interesting perspective. He was part of the first group of early believers who would have realized firsthand that Christ's redemption was for all people. 
And so it's only fitting that as he writes the book of Acts and the Gospel of Luke, that he really puts a spotlight on the times that Jesus' message and the early church's actions are shaped by inclusion, by reaching out to the margins of society to show love and offer redemption. Luke's telling of the story of Philip the Evangelist and the Ethiopian eunuch is now one of my favorites. And you'll have to excuse me, I've done a deep dive on this, and uh, you just have to know everything that I know. (laughs) Philip is a part of the early Christian church, and the church at this time in Acts has exploded after Pentecost. The early church was trying to live as one. They were trying to share everything that they had amongst themselves. But they were unfortunately also human beings. And so there begin to be grumblings that widows are being discriminated against, and they're not getting enough food. The disciples hear this, and they decide that they don't have time to oversee this part of the ministry, so they appoint seven men as deacons, men who are full of spirit and wisdom. And these men are tasked with making sure that everything is running smoothly and that people are being treated justly and fairly. Philip is one of these men, and his friend Stephen is another. And just as they are settling into their new roles and their daily life together in Jerusalem, the persecution of the early church begins. Stephen is falsely accused of speaking against the temple and the law of Moses, and he is stoned to death with a man called Saul, soon to be called Paul, with the coats of the murderers at his feet. This and further persecution scatters the early believers, many of whom, including Philip, flee to Samaria. Samaritans and Jews were mortal enemies at this time, and so the early believers thought that they might be safe in Samaria because they believed that zealous Jews who were persecuting them wouldn't follow them there. Philip heads right to a place that before he probably would have avoided, but Philip has deeply understood the message of Jesus. He is wise and full of the Spirit, remember? And so Philip doesn't miss a beat. He starts preaching the good news, performing miracles, and even baptizing magicians. I know, magicians. The book of Acts is nuts. Philip is the first evangelist we read of in Acts to visit Gentiles. Not just any Gentiles, but Samaritans. Philip was appointed a deacon, but now God is using him to spread the message of Jesus to the margins, to all people. When we get to our story, Philip is visited by an angel and receives a new call, a call into the desert, to a wilderness road. And this path that Philip has to travel, it actually leads him right back through where he has just fled, where his friend was just murdered. And so I can only imagine that Philip is scared. He's got to be wondering, what on earth is so important for me in the middle of this desert? And then he sees the eunuch. A eunuch is a castrated male who was often, at this time, put into a position of power. The eunuch in our story is in charge of a queen's entire treasury. Eunuchs were elevated to these positions of power because they could be trusted to not interfere with the royal bloodline, and they were also considered level-headed, and they were advisors to most positions of power. Jesus actually speaks of eunuchs in Matthew 19. Some are born that way, and some are made. But no matter how this eunuch gets to his position, we do know this, that a eunuch would have been considered a sexual outcast at this time. Eunuchs would not have been included in many communities, neither civil nor religious. 
And because of the purity laws that we have listed in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, we know that he was not allowed into the temple that he was trying to visit in Jerusalem. He wouldn't have been allowed in. Our eunuch is also Ethiopian. And though in this region, everyone in America today would be considered a person of color, he is Ethiopian. And that means that in that region, he was considered an other, a different race from the people around him. Philip's religious upbringing wouldn't have him anywhere near this man, let alone hanging out with him on a road trip. But Philip has already deeply understood and been changed by Jesus' message of redemption for all. Philip listened to the Holy Spirit in Samaria, calling him out to the margins, calling him to people that he had never talked to before. Philip had already seen God work through him. He had seen Jesus' love change it all. And so Philip is not just heading towards our eunuch or walking. He is running to meet him. The eunuch is reading aloud, which was customary at the time. And he just so happens to be reading aloud from Isaiah. The fact that he can read lets us know that this eunuch is very intellectual. And the fact that he had a physical copy of the book of Isaiah lets us know that he was also very wealthy. Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch's, how can I, unless someone guides me, becomes an invitation for Philip into a space that he would never have occupied before. I wonder if this might also be a clue to the eunuch's experience in Jerusalem. He's still left with questions. He still needs guidance. And so Philip enters this fancy chariot in the middle of a desert into a conversation that can only be understood as divine arrangement. We have no idea how long Philip and the eunuch travel along together or what they discuss, but we do know that it is good news. Farther along, the eunuch sees water, a baptismal font in the desert. Look, there is some water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? Some Bible versions, like King James, add, if thou believest with thine heart, thou mayest. But the earliest copies of Luke's original words have no condition like that. What is to prevent me from being baptized? This is a plea. This is a longing in the eunuch's heart. He is asking Philip, this sounds great, but is this good news really for me? What could stop me from being a part of this? Am I really welcome just as I am? Am I really included? And Philip and God's answer is yes, without condition. And in the middle of the desert, this eunuch, a sexual outcast, a racial minority is baptized. And just as quickly as Philip is there at the baptism, Luke tells us he is snatched up by the Spirit to go and proclaim the good news somewhere else. And our eunuch goes on his way rejoicing, forever changed by Philip's willingness to go to the desert, to run to the margins, and to share the good news. I'm pretty sure that if the eunuch had Mr. Rogers's 10 seconds that he would see Philip's loving face running towards him, someone who cared about him, who loved him into being. Philip may see the eunuchs as a face that taught him more about the expansive love of God. Mr. Rogers said that everyone longs to be loved. And the greatest thing that we can do is to let people know that they are loved 
and they are capable of loving. Love isn't a perfect state of caring. It is an active noun, like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is, right here and right now. And there is nobody, no one, who did that kind of love better than Jesus. Jesus ran to the margins. He touched and healed lepers. He sat down to drink water with a Samaritan woman at the well. He helped a cheating tax collector down from a tree. He took a motley crew of 12, and he called them disciples. He gave peace to the thief on the cross. And he called us to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves, to run to the desert roads and wait for baptismal founts to appear. I think our scripture from today has a lot to teach us. From the eunuch, I hope that we learn that we are beloved children of God. May we be a people who know that we are loved. And from Philip, may we be willing to be used by God. May we be willing to run to the desert roads of this world to road trip with people that we never would have imagined before. Maybe we're scared of the unknown. Maybe we have no idea why God is running us alongside people who we do not understand. Maybe we're terrible runners. But I pray that we are willing to give the kind of love that looks like a baptismal font on the desert road of any person we encounter. We are beloved. May we go from this place and call all people the same.